September 15th, 2022. We're in Masechet Sanhedrin. If you count down in the wide lines, it's six lines down. It's the third word on the line. Says the Gemara, Amar Rabbi... Well, Amar Rabbi... Ame. Amar Rabbi Ame, Arba Mea Ba'aya Ba'udoeg Ve'achitofel B'migdal HaPoreach Ba'avir Ve'la'ifshat Lehu Had. If you recall the context of the Gemara, the Gemara was talking about Doeg and Achitofel, more specifically about Doeg, but Achitofel as the uh, person who may be together with, after, but together with the method of Doeg, was looking to take down David. And the Gemara's vision of each of them, but more specifically in recent context, Doeg, is that they were Talmidei Hachamim, they were very knowledgeable in Torah. Says the Gemara in turn, or says Rabbi Ameh, the statement is that Doeg and Achitofil had 400 issues, questions of depth on this matter of Migdal HaPoreh Ba'avir. What's Migdal HaPoreh Ba'avir? We had one of three interpretations from Rashi. Either way you slice it, they had a lot to say and to question and to delve into. It sounds like everything in the context and matters of Torah. Amar Rava, and it's appearing to be almost a curious statement. They knew so much and yet they were rebellious. They knew so much and yet they lost their chilek la'ulam haba. Amar Rava, ributa limi ba'e ba'aya. Says Rava, is it a, a novelty to uh, come up with novelties? Which means to say, is it something great to ask questions in Torah? The question is not about how proficient, how knowledgeable, how deep you can get in Torah. The question is, we'll see in a moment or two, uh, where your heart is, how you're connecting to heaven through your study of Torah. So the fact that they knew Torah and ultimately speaking went off, not so crazy. Says Rava I'll give you an example. Beshane de Rav Yehuda, Kule Tanuye Benizakin. Says Rava, you should know in the days of Rav Yehuda, a rabbi who preceded us, everybody was studying Seder Nezikin, one of the six Sidre Mishnah, Seder Nezikin. He says, Terei, says Rava, we know a lot more than that. It may have been the primary study then, just one of the six Siddarim uh, of Mishnah, Seder Nezikin, which is an important one. As, but today, we're already holding at the very end of it. It says, today, you should know, today we're involved in even the end of Seder Tahorot. Seder Tahorot is the last of the six Sidre Mishnah. Today we're proficient not only in one Nizikin, we're proficient in all of them. And yet, you should understand that we're very different qualitatively than the generation of Rav Yehuda. You might say we're going to be qualitatively greater, I'll tell you differently. But in order to color this point, that in his days, Rav Yehuda says Rava, they didn't know these sorts of matters, which to us are much more forthcoming, were involved in their study. For example, the Mate Rav Yehuda, Isha shekoveshet yerek bekdera ve'amrela zetim shekevashan betarfehen tehorim amar havayot erav u'shmuel kahazen ahacha. When, when uh, in the days of Rav Yehuda, they would get up to a mishnah or a statement 
along the lines and issues of Masechet Okatsin, or specifically in Masechet Okatsin. Each of these statements are with regards to Tuman Tahara. The first one is Ishashe Koveshet Yerek or Yarak Biktera, a woman who takes a vegetable of sorts and has it uh, in vinegar of or something along those lines, in a kedera, in a bowl, and she's uh, so- soaking it there, and then there's tum'ah, which hits, which touches part of, meaning the root or the leaves, uh, specifically in the second case, of this vegetable. So what's the circumstance? Again, it's this vegetable which is soaking in vinegar. As a result, if you were to pick up the vegetable from the root, the root is a little moist and damp, you won't be able to easily lift it up. We envision, according to halakha, this circumstance as if the vegetable and the root are disconnected. The only time we'd imagine them connected is when there's a strength to them, and therefore if you touched just the root, where we're envisioning it as disconnected, there's no tum'ah which is imparted from the touch of the root to the fruit part as well. That's one circumstance. The second circumstance is the zetim. Zetim are together with their leaves. Zetim are are olives. If olives together with their leaves are placed in something and there's tumah on the leaves but not on the olives, we don't imagine that the tumah spreads to the olives as well. Why not? Aren't they one item? They're not envisioned and understood as one item because the leaves are not there in order to actually facilitate the eating of the olive. They're just there to show that the olive is fresh and as a result, we separate the two. Now, either way you slice these two statements, the statement of Rava in this context goes as follows. When Rav Yehuda would get up to statements of such, where they're dealing with Tuma and Tahara, he would exclaim, I see issues that need to be debated, that are hard and back and forth conversation and disagreement that Rav and Shumuel, the great Emoraim, would have. In other words, this is difficult matters. Us, says Rava in contrast, says Rava in our generation, we have 13 yeshivot dedicated and involved in the study of Masechet Okatzin. So it's imagining, you know, Lehavdil in today's day and age, you'd say, you know, my grandmother couldn't even read Hebrew, but today, uh, look at mashallah, the girls not only know how to read Hebrew, they know how to read uh, Pesukim from Humash and interpret them with Perush Rashi. I mean, there's a large and vast divide over there. That's the statement of rabbis. It's our generation of rabbis, of, of Talmud study, is a lot more progressed, has progressed a lot more than the generation of Rav Yehuda. Well, he's getting to his punchline. However, says Rava, the Rav Yehuda Shalif Mesaneh, during times of fasting, because there wasn't rain, all Rav Yehuda would need to do was to take off his shoe in order to include himself in the public fasting. Of course, we know that from Chabeav, we know that from Kippur, but a public fast day, he wanted to include himself in the, in the full activities of the day. He would take off his shoe, and rain would come, meaning we imagine, we understand the closer connection between Rav Yehuda and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So he, his generation was not as staunched, as high-level learning as us. All right, but look at their connectedness to God. Ve'anan, but our generation, in contrast, says Rava, Savhinan, we cry out, we scream, we shout for rain or whatever it is. Ve'leka, de mashkahban, and there's nobody, or it appears as if there's no listening or paying attention to us. Ela, rather, the fundamental, the principle of the matter is, says Rava in conclusion, Hakadosh Baruch Hu, it's the heart, it's the intent, 
It's the spirit of the matter that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is interested in. Dichtiv, as the Pasuk seems to describe, Vadonai yir'ah yir'eh lalevav. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is looking at the heart, the mind, the intention of the matter. Uh, so piecing it all together, it began like this. Rabbi Ameh exclaimed, seemingly incredulously, uh, look at Doeg and Ahitofil, they knew so much. They were asking 400 questions about this obscure, esoteric, halachic issue, says Rava. Yeah, and therefore what? Uh, seemingly, Rabbi Ameh is bothered by the fact that they descended uh, so low with regards to their connectedness to God. Says We know that. There are people who have a certain simplicity with regards to uh, their approach maybe of intellectual matters, but their connectedness is stronger than anyone else. That's the statement here in the Gemara. What's with the taking off of the shoe? Why is that the designation of the fast day activity? It could be many interpretations. But taking off shoes, we sometimes misunderstand. We assume taking off the shoe is for torture, is to give us pain. Alternatively, taking off a shoe is what gives us grounding. When I don't have my shoe on, I feel most connected to my origin, to the nature, to the earth that's below me. As a result, that's what's performed on Chabeav and Kippur, the days on which we're stripping away those excesses of life, Rav Yehuda, as a result as well, his taking off of his shoe is the greatest symbol you can give with regards to a person who's truly connected uh, to the source of life itself. Says the Gemara onward, Amarav Mishar Shaya, Doeg Vahitofil the statement here of Rav Misharshia, seemingly contradicting everything we said until now was, that is that Doeg and Ahitofil were not able to be so there, they couldn't understand Shema'ata, matters of halacha. Oh, what are you talking about? Everything we just been matkifla morzutra morzutra says didn't you remember the derasha we made yesterday man dichtiv be about whom about whom it says ayesofer ayesokel ayesoferet amigdalim do you remember that's the pasuk we attributed to them the pasuk which talks about the ones who can count the letters and know the letters and words of the Torah the ones who can be shokel they know how to make sevarot kalvachomer understand the Torah at a greater depth the ones who our interpretation had hundreds of halachot and questions with regards to the most obscure halachot. About them, you're saying, about them, the ones we've collectively remembered as at the highest level. They didn't know. They weren't able to figure it out. That's what you're saying about them. Rather, this is what Rav Misharshia meant to say. They weren't able to raise up from their study Torah, which led them with the proper guidance and halacha. So they could make the svarot. They could determine the depth of the matter. They could have the breadth of knowledge. They didn't know practically what to do and how to instruct what to do. Why not? The Pasuk says that the secret of God is to those who fear Him, which means to say their lack of fear, their disconnect from God, even with all the knowledge of His body of law, they couldn't actually capitalize and put it together. It's people, maybe not this type, but in the world that we know who have a lot of knowledge at their fingertips, but they don't know how to piece it together. That's the statement. That's the doeg and ahitofil. What's the sodad on Ayli It's what I've always felt in life, 
you can come in contact, certainly in Torah, but you'll find this elsewhere as well, with people who just have a knack for something. They have a vision for their field. The statement over here is the vision for the field of Torah, to truly grasp what we're doing, what we're striving for, that means you have a certain Yirat Shemaim. You don't have that Yirat Shemaim, but you have a lot of knowledge, you'll be able to piece together, maybe to ask the right questions, you can maybe give a good class from here or, or, here or there, you, you might be able to have Hidushim, but to truly get the system to the extent that you're able to tap in at the moment of doubt and uncertainty and know what to do, only if you're really in it. And when are you really in it? When you came in with the right mindset, with that awe of heaven, with that pursuit of truth, as, a, as opposed to just the pursuit of knowledge. Says the Gemara onward, Amar bi'amet lomet do'eg ad talmudo. You should know Do'eg, with all of his knowledge of Torah, he did not and would not die until he forgot it all. That's what we saw earlier yesterday in the Gemara, the conversation between David HaMelech HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which he's requesting, make certain that he forgets it all quickly so that he can in turn meet his demise. Shene Emar, we have a pasuk that suggests this, who yamut be'en musar, pasuk says, seems to make a, a symmetry between the word Torah and Musar. In turn, the Pasuk of Yer, Hu Yamut Be'en Musar, is a reference in the eyes of the Hachamim to his death without Musar, without Torah. Uberov Ivalto Yishke, and uh, with his, uh, with his m- m- much silliness, he will you know, uh, turn off the path. But the most important part for us is Hu Yamut Be'en Musar. Says the Gemara, I mean, in truth, it's in the second part of the Pasuk as well. Well, Rav Amar Nitztara, it may have not been that he forgot his Torah, or it might be that he did, but in addition, he got Sarat. Who got Sarat? Doeg before his death. Shene uh, Emar, very appropriate, of course, the Gemara Masechet Arachin and and what we know in society today. What do you get, what do you get Sarat for? Lashon Hara, that's the primary sin we always point to because of Miriam at the end of Parashat. Beha'alotecha, getting Sarat because of her Lashon Hara makes a lot of sense in turn for Rav to suggest that Doeg, who is our paradigmatic Nisape Lashon Hara, he's the individual who tells on David to Shaul, or more importantly, tells on the city of Nov to Shaul and has them all slaughtered. Of course, he's going to get Sarat. Shene Emar, as the Pasuk says, and it, the Gemara will be Doresh, Rav will be Doresh, it's a reference to Sarat. Hitzmata kol zone mimeka. You did something. Hitzmata kol zone. Zone milashon zona, we also say. Zona is someone who separates themselves. So all who are separated from you. Who said this pasuk is referring to uh, Sarat? We have a very creative derasha. Ketiv hatam. It says with regards to the land of Israel. Vehaaret lotimacher litzmitut. We have that similar word. Smitut to the first word that we quoted just a moment ago. Targaminan and the Targum Unkulu says, What's the word litzmitut? Lahalutin. All right, I will not translate. Halutin means in its entirety. It means that I'm associating the word simitut and halutin. I've associated two words. What's that got to do with sarat? Utnan, and we have a Mishnah with regards to sarat. En ben musgar, and listen to the next word. Umuhlat. Not important, the details of it, but you see we associate the word muhlat to sarat, 
we associate the word muhlatu tzmitut. It means in turn, this pasuk, which begins with, the, or for our purposes, starts with that word hitzmata, is a reference to sara'at. That's what Do'eh got at some point before the end of his life. Says Gemara onward, Amar biyohanan shelosha malache havalan is You should know there were three messengers of destruction sent in the way by God, of course, to Do'eg in order to handle him with regards to his wrongdoing, in order to pay him back. That's what we saw already. One of them caused him to forget his Torah, to forget any knowledge of Torah that he had amassed and known and uh, developed over his life. The second was burning his soul, which appears to be, uh, there appears to be a, a direct order over here. The Gemara elsewhere suggests that you won't have a burned soul, at the Gemara at the end of Masechet Hagigan, or so, the Gemara says that Talmidei uh, Hachamim, because of their knowledge of Torah, the Esh Shel Gehenam, the burning fire of Gehenam cannot be sholet by him, has no way of taking a hold of them. So it seems to be the direction over here is since he forgot his Torah, therefore this fire of Gehenam was able to burn his soul. Again, I can't explain exactly what that means. And lastly, this Malach Havala took the Afar, took the Efer, more specifically the ashes of his soul, and sprinkled it in the places of Torah and Tefillah, Bate Knesiot and Bate Midrashot. We did find something similar, at least, to that in Masechet Roshana Mabarif. Says the Gemara Masechet Roshana, I'll help you a little bit. On Daf Yodzain, the Gemara says the Mishpat of Rishaim in Gehinam is 12 months. Over the course of 12 months, they uh, come to the point where Nishmatan Nisrefet. And then the Gemara says the Efe, the, the, the ashes from that, is put at the feet of Talmidei Hachamim. That's what it says over there. Uh, what's the uh, particular vision with regards to each of these statements? It's similar, it's not the same over here. Perhaps it's something along the lines of after death, maybe there's a way of you achieving tikkun by hanging around the right places. Here you are, a person who failed in your opportunity to grow in, grow in spirituality. Maybe if we now place your remnants amongst those, amidst those people and places, you'll have an opportunity to grow. I don't have much more for you, to Charlie, on that. I don't understand such matters. Says Rabbi Yohanan, by the way, you should know, Doeg and Achitofel, we've been talking about them somewhat in tandem, they didn't actually even meet one another because Doeg was in the early years of David's life, before he's king, as he's running away from Shaul. Achitofel is in the later years of David's life when Avshalom, his son, is looking to rebel and Achitofel is giving him advice on that. They didn't know one another. Each one of them died young, they never got to know. Why is this an important statement in the Gemara? Maharsha suggests that there's an implicit second part to the statement. Had they known one another, had they been in, uh, acquainted with one another, they would have teamed up to take down David, and David could not have withstood that. Each of them individually, independently, could not overcome David. Together, they would have. Says the Gemara, Do'eg bime Shaul, v'achitofel bime David. Do'eg was that yo'etz in the days of Shaul, achitofel in the days of David. Again, ultimately turning against David, however. Ve'amar b'yohanan, do'eg v'achitofel lo'chatsu yemehem. You should know do'eg and achitofel didn't reach midlife. What's midlife again? Neither one of them reached half of that, which is 35. Indeed, we have a beraita 
We did this a day or two ago. Anshe damim umirma lo yechesu yemehem. The pasuk says that people who are anshe damim, people of blood, who are involved in murder, umirma, they're deceitful. Lo yechesu, they won't have hatsi yemehem. They won't have half of their life, meaning they won't have half of that seventy. In turn, says the beraita kol shenotav shel doeg lo hayu ela sheloshim varba shelachitov elenan ela sheloshim veshalosh. Their lifespans were 34 and 33, uh, respectively, which means to say neither one of them hit 35. The promise is, or the statement is, Lo they won't get to midlife if they're anche damimu mirma. Ve'amar bi'ohanan, Yishazer bi'ohanan, look at the relationship between David and Ahitofil and understand the demise of Ahitofil through it. Batehila, initially, Kara David Ahitofil rabo. In the earlier stages, David turned to Ahitofil, he referred to him as his mentor, as his rabbi. Ultimately speaking, he was no more than his friend. And even past that, David from Ahitofel being his mentor, his rabbi, to his friend, he was now only his student. Ahitofel had gone from being the instructor, the person who's helping David, to the one who David envisions as receiving instruction from him. Where do you see that David initially calls him his master, his rabbi, his mentor? Uh, the Pasuk says, Alufi milashon aluf. Aluf is an important individual, it's a general. And the Chachamim understands Pasuk is David referring to Doeg as his aluf, as his general, as his person above him. Where do you see that he uh, then ultimately, but before the end, refers to him as his friend? Asher Yahdav, the Pasuk says, Namtik Sod Bevet Elohim Nehalech. Beregesh, the Pasuk says, Beragesh says the Pasuk with regards to David talking about another, Yahtav together, Namtik Sod will bring the sweetness to the secrets, meaning we'll delve into Torah, but we're doing it together. We'll walk Beragesh, we'll walk with the fervor, with the excitement to Bet Elohim, to the study hall, to the involvement of Torah at a greater depth. But we're friends. You're not my mentor. I'm not walking after you. I'm walking at your side. The Midrash, in fact, has that as being one of the two lessons that Ahitofel specifically taught David. One of them was the Nehalech Beragesh, the fact that we need to walk with fervor to study Torah. And where do you see that at the end of the life or the end of the relationship between David and Ahitofel, Ahitofel is now known as the student of David. The Pasuk says, Gam ish shelomi bo the Pasuk says that this is the one who's eating my bread. Eating my bread is my student, the one that I'm feeding. That's a reference in turn, say the Chachamim, to Ahitofel from David. Says Rav Yudah, in the name of Rav, it's very important that you avoid bringing tests from others, and certainly from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, upon yourself. Where are we deriving that from? Shaharet David Melch Yisrael, Hevi Atzmo Lidenisayon Venichshal. David himself brought himself, requested a Nisayon, a test from God, and he ultimately fails at it. What's the test that he requests from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? Amar Lefana, the Chachamim envisioned it as follows. David turns to HaKadosh Baruch Hu and says, Ribono she'el olam, mipenem ha'omrim Elohe Avraham Elohe Yitzhak Elohe Yaakov, ve'en omrim Elohe David. Why is it that in the Amidah, 
you know, we're dealing with uh, before the time that we're actually saying this in Amidah, but it's a vision of David's statement, which is repurposed for us to understand. Why is it that Am Yisrael turns to three as their avot? Perhaps there should be a fourth, myself. That's a little bit a difficult question already from David's standpoint. And the return from HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the eyes of the Hachamim is even more telling. Amar says God to David, in whom minsuli? They were tested by me. They withstood each of their tests. Of course, the greatest of them being the Akedah, but each one of them had trials, tribulations in their life. David, you didn't. Says David to HaKadosh Baruch Please, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, test me. Give me that Nisayon, as the Pasuk says. As says David HaKadosh Baruch give me that Nisayon. The Gemara goes on to describe the Nisayon, to describe the ultimate failing David added. Baruch Adonai Amen